Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Did I pray over the offering? I didn't, did I? Amen. I am excited uh, to get into it. Pops waiting for the cue. Father, thank you for the opportunity to give this morning. We give us unto you. Lord, we thank you for um, all that you've blessed us with. All that we have, Lord, has come from you. And we honor you now with our substance. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please forgive me for that. I'm excited about the message. Amen. Matter of fact, before we read this verse, matter of fact, let's read the verse and I want to just share some things from my heart with you for a few minutes and then we'll get into some of the rest of this. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. I believe the two great lessons this lifetime is about is learning to love and learning to trust. Learning to love and learning to trust. Part of my assignment is to take complicated things and make them understandable and and make them simple. And I'm not trying to oversimplify things, but if you would begin to consider that on a daily basis in your life, how the Word of God, Jesus, the living Word of God, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, they're working together in harmony uh, with one another on your behalf. And two of the great and most important lessons that they're trying to teach you and me in this life, preparing us for what is to come in the next, is love and trust. Um, How to love one another, how to love God, how to love God by loving one another, and then how to trust God, how to trust God. God honors those who honor Him, and there's no greater honor than trust. And there's a lot of things that we try to honor God with short of trusting Him, but if we fail to trust Him, then anything else that we we try to do uh, to honor Him is uh, at least tainted, if not... Um, rejected altogether. So learning to love, learning to trust. And, and here we see the extreme that we're all shooting for is to trust Him, not just a little bit, not, not just with some things or a few things, but trust Him with all of our heart. And then parallel to that uh, is lean not to your own understanding. Now we're going to lean on an understanding. We're either going to lean on ours, we're going to lean on somebody else's, the world's, or we're going to lean on God's understanding. And obviously we were we were uh, designed by God to live our lives based upon His ways of uh, being and doing, His understanding, His way of looking at things, His way of, of processing uh, situations and, and things in our lives. And that has to do with what uh, understanding is. And as we've pointed out in previous lessons, um, everybody has their own understanding. Everybody has their own way of looking at things and doing things. While you know we tend to gravitate towards people who see things the same way we see them, um, not everybody sees things exactly as as we as we do. But notice the more we all come together in harmony and unity, what facilitates that? Our hard work and effort. Well, that's part of it. But the more, um, uh, <laughs> Amen. The more Ben is living his life. Uh, in not leaning on his own understanding but God's understanding and the more I'm living my life not leaning on my understanding but God's understanding the more harmony and oneness is going to be between me and Ben and every other member of um, the body of Christ. Now we've said this over and over that the benefits of salvation are freely given but they're not automatically enjoyed. The benefits of our salvation are freely given but not automatically enjoyed. So how, how do we enjoy Um, all that we've been made and all that we've been given. Um, Well, first of all, we see that 
we, we enjoy those things by faith. We have to step up into who we are in Christ, who we became the day we became a new creation in Christ. We have to step up into um, what belongs to us and, and act on that. Remember, faith without works is dead. I don't think I'll get to a full explanation of it this morning, but remember this phrase from Hebrews chapter 11. The Bible says, by faith we understand. By faith we understand. Paul to the Colossians spoke of a spiritual understanding, a spiritual understanding. And then to the Ephesians, and ultimately, obviously, to you and me, we, we say these because those are the books we find these truths in. But it applies to you and me just as much as it applied to the first people who ever read it, is that the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened. And so how we understand things is, is going to determine how we experience things. Because your understanding deals with the way you see, uh, the way you hear, the way you process and the way you respond. All of those very important life factors, um, how we see things, how we hear things, how we um, uh, understand, you know, respond, all of of these things um, are are so critical to our uh, life reality. Now, let me, I'm getting too far ahead of myself. I want to just step back for a moment. Um, We do, uh, in the mornings at the Foundry, we do something called the public reading of Scripture. And the Bible talks about the importance of God's Word being read in public. And the leadership at the Foundry you know, has felt it important to spend some time each morning um, just people hearing the Word of God, faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And along with that, um, we show uh, um, Bible Project videos. And if you're not familiar with BibleProject.com, I would highly recommend you become familiar with it. It is an amazing resource. It's, it's free. Uh, no, no charge uh, for you to take advantage uh, of the resources that are at the Bible Project. But the Bible Project does overviews of different books and then different themes with, within the Bible. And um, it is what I would call denominational neutral. It's non-denominational. In other words, it doesn't, it doesn't um, you know, t- speak you know, from the position of a Methodist, a Pentecostal, or a, or a Baptist, or what have you. It's just the Word of God, the straight-up Word of God. Amen. And, um, but I was sitting there listening to one of these public readings of Scripture before I taught class one morning, and we were over in First uh, and Second Kings in the Bible Project, and they were talking about Elijah and then Elisha. And, of course, all of it was, was good, but... Sometimes you can hear just a phrase of something, a snippet of something that just the Holy Spirit really breathes on. And, and Brother Copeland says it this way, one word from God can change your life forever. And uh, so you, know, you may sit there for 30 minutes and all of it's good, but if you're really engaged in listening to the Holy Spirit and His voice inside of you, there are things that He will point out to you and things that He will say to you as it relates to you and where you are in your growth and development. And on this particular morning... I'd never heard this expression, maybe, uh, maybe some of you have, but I've never heard this expression. In the Bible Project, they referred to prophets as covenant watchdogs. A covenant watchdog. Has anybody ever heard that before? I've never heard that expression before. But man, it just, it just landed on my heart, a covenant watchdog. And, and of course, maybe you're familiar with like um, a, a government watchdog, and, and what does that do? Basically, we're talking about someone who's responsible for knowing what the legislation says and holding people accountable. 
knowing what the monies have been assigned to this project and making sure that those monies are going to what they've been designated for and someone who basically oversees it, someone who, who basically, but to oversee it, you've got to know it, right? And so the prophets were covenant watchdogs because the prophets knew the covenant and they were in position because they heard from God and they spoke on God's behalf and, and they knew what the covenant, you know, in this situation, uh, the old covenant, um, the former covenant, we can say it that way, was the, was the one they were the watchdogs for. And I begin to think, okay, I am, amen, in, and I'm not trying to designate myself as something that, that, uh, that others may not designate me as, but, but just please hear me. I am a new covenant watchdog. I am a new covenant watchdog. In other words, my assignment as a servant leader in the body of Christ is to know what the covenant says and to present and teach that to as many people as who will give me opportunity in their lives to speak and, 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 and teach them and speak into their lives what those covenant is and what it means. And, and, but, now, but, but here, watch this. As I was just the Holy Spirit just teaching me and meditating and impressing things upon my heart, one of the, one of the issues that we have in the body of Christ today is that the covenant watchdogs that that are filling the pulpits in churches around the world is they tend to be a watchdog where behavior is concerned, but not where benefit is concerned. In, In other words, very quick to point out what's wrong and what shouldn't be done and how people shouldn't live and what they shouldn't do and who they shouldn't sleep with and why they shouldn't do it. And listen, I'm not, I'm not saying that's wrong. We got to speak the truth in love, but we still got to speak the truth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, you know, that aspect is what I'm, what I'm calling the behavior side of the covenant. Um, how then shall we now live? Um, what, what is right? What is wrong? Uh, remember, righteousness is a state of being. Holiness is a state of doing. Um, you were made righteous by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Holiness now is an expression of the righteousness that we've been made. You don't do anything to make yourself righteous other than believing on Jesus. But when it comes to holiness, now this is, this is again something that we have to learn to walk in and we have to grow in. And it's amazing how many people in our world today, um, they have no idea uh, what is... Um, uh, right living according to the word of God. And so we need a new covenant watchdog in that respect to point out to people, look, th- this is sinful behavior. This is not acceptable to God. Um, this, doing these things puts you in a position of, of dishonoring God and treating him lightly. And you don't want to live on this earth dishonoring God and treating him lightly. And so I don't want anyone to misunderstand me when I say that um, the behavior side of a covenant watchdog and, and being that for people in our world today is extremely important. There was a reason why Jesus said the world would hate us, okay, <laughs> right? It's, it's because we're going to be that straight fence post in a world full of crooked, crooked ones, amen? Oh. Crooked ones, crooked ones. And so in other words, when, when I was in high school and took a stand for Jesus, it wasn't Anybody remember when you smoked cigarettes in high school? We had a smoke pit in high school. What in the world were we thinking back in those days, right? So, you know, when I took a stand for Jesus in high school, it, it wasn't the folks that, that came to school high that gave me a problem. It wasn't, the, are you listening? Please hear me. It, it wasn't the, the hellions and the sinners and the heathens. They respected me. Amen. Let me tell you who gave me the most trouble. It was the, it was the folks who were drunk on Saturday night and in church on Sunday morning. 
Those were the people. I didn't see that coming. I'll just be honest with you. I didn't see that coming. Amen. Um, but praise God, we, we learned and grew through that. All right. So that part of being a covenant watchdog is extremely important. But I think where we are woefully lacking in the body of Christ today is for somebody to stand in a pulpit and say, this is what belongs to you because you're a child of God. This is a benefit of your salvation. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. Satan is wanting you, first of all, to be ignorant of the benefits of salvation. But even if you hear someone teach you from the Word of God what are benefits of your salvation... Amen. Acknowledging every good thing that is in you, the, re, the inward realities of the new birth. Satan is hoping that you will not remember them, that you will not acknowledge them. Because we know that Satan is, among other things, a liar. We, we know he's a deceiver. We also know he only comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. And Brother Copeland pointed out, steal, kill, and destroy are, are a, 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 in a specific order, right? Because the first and foremost thing Satan wants to do is he wants to steal from you. He wants to steal the Word of God from you. He wants to steal the truth from you. He wants to steal understanding from you because if he can steal that from you then it makes it much easier for him to to bring death and destruction kill and death amen doesn't just mean like end your life satan certainly would want to end every person's life in this room if he could do it but he can't do it he doesn't have the power the ability to do that remember he can't mess up your life without your cooperation I'm going down a little rabbit trail, but stay with me for a minute. So when it says steal, kill, and destroy, remember, kill has to do with death, and death has to do with separation. So if Satan can steal the truth from you, he can keep you separated from the life that God created you to live. He can keep you separated from enjoying the benefits of your salvation. Now, let me me try to illustrate this in a a really simple way. And I, I want you to imagine for a moment that that you go to uh, a dealership. Matter of fact, you go to Royal Automotive and you buy yourself a brand new car with the greatest uh, profit of God and, and, and new car and salesman there, there ever been, Brother Donald Ballard, okay? Um, and, uh, and so uh, maybe I shouldn't put your name in here because this is going to be an odd uh, example, okay? But um, amen, a little shout out for my brother over there, praise God. Um, so, you know, what do we do? We, 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 we look at that sticker on the window, and it, and it tells us not only how much the car costs, but it tells us everything that's included in that car, right? Okay, benefits of purchasing that particular car, all right? And so you think, you know what, I'm all in. I'm, I, I, and you, you buy the car and you take it home, okay? Then you, you call up the dealership and you say, hey, um, <clears throat> this car is supposed to have heated seats, It says it right here on the sticker. And somebody on the other end of the phone says to you, that's not what that means. It's not what it means. And then they give you some convoluted explanation of why it doesn't mean that. And you say, well, well that doesn't make sense to me. But okay, but, but it's also supposed to have air conditioning. And then they say, oh, well... Air conditioning is not for everybody. Hmm. Wow, okay. Well, but it also says it's supposed to have, um, you know, a 21-speaker sound system. Now, I've just got an AM radio with one speaker in the dash. Well, about that, the 21-speaker sound system was just for the people who helped get it started. That only uh, applied to the ones who originally got 
this car dealership off the ground because they were the ones who needed that, but, but that, that's not. Now, some of you are already ahead of me on what I'm saying because these are the answers that the devil uses when we, when we see something in the Word of God that's clearly a benefit of our salvation and, and we are bold enough to at least ask a question about it and somebody says, well, it doesn't mean that. Well, if it doesn't mean that, what does it mean? Well, that, it, 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 well I mean, it, 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 it does, but it's, it's not for everybody. So you've made the mistake of thinking healing's for everybody and healing's not for everybody. See, it says, by his stripes, I was healed. And now you're telling me it's, it's, it's not for everybody? Well, what about this John 14 where I found that it says that, that we'll do the works that Jesus did and, and even greater works? Well, that, that was just for the people who, you know, got this thing off the ground. I mean, once we got the car built, see that... They tell us that once we got the Word of God all put together, we don't need that anymore. You don't, you don't need all them speakers anymore. You've got, you got a car that runs good. And, and you should have got in on the ground floor if you wanted all those features and benefits. But, see, but, but now I'm, I'm using, again, simple, simple, simple covenant watchdog here, right? Because if... If Toyota was advertising cars with heated seat air conditioners and 21 uh, speaker sound systems and people were buying something that didn't have all of that, a watchdog somewhere, Alexander Shinara would be on that in a minute. Because you are saying that something's included that's not included. But now, but watch now, I'm I'm just trying to show you something. Why do we accept those answers? Why do we make it so easy for the devil to just simply tell us, well, it's, it's not for everybody. It, does, it doesn't mean that. It's not, it's not for today. And we go, oh, well, why didn't somebody tell me that before? You know, let's, let's go eat some popcorn then and do something else. And, and, and with no question. So listen to me now. A, a covenant watchdog. I just like that. Amen. I might get me a t-shirt that says Covenant Watchdog. Amen. Amen. It's somebody that says, hold on a second. Hold on just a second. I started, I started making a list. I'm not going to go through the whole list. It's really, it's, if you want to list, you got to come on Wednesday night because that's where we're talking about these things in greater detail. I'm just being silly here, but just, but I'm not being silly. I'm being truthful. But again, like, like watch this for a second. Watch this for a second. Do you know that one of the features and benefits of your salvation is perfected forever? Oh, but that's not what it means. It is exactly what it means. Do you know, uh, see, we sang about His grace being amazing. We sang about His grace being amazing. Do you know in the scriptures where it says God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think? I want you to, and I've started doing this, when I write amazing, I put in parentheses after amazing, exceedingly abundantly above all I could ask or think grace. Amazing, exceedingly abundantly above all I could ask or think grace. Amazing, exceedingly, exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ask or think grace. 
That's what we've been given. That's, that's what we've been made. Do you know that one of the features, one of the benefits of your salvation is any born again man or woman abides in Father's house forever? Forever. Jesus said a slave doesn't abide in the house forever. But if the son makes you a free man or a woman, a free man or a woman becomes a son and a son abides in father's house forever. Jesus didn't say that son would never make a mistake. He didn't say after you were born again that you would never, uh, you know, do something you shouldn't do or commit a sin that you shouldn't commit. He just said if he makes you a son, you're going to be a son whether you commit the sin or not. Because you're not a slave anymore. You're a son. I'm talking about benefits of your salvation. (laughs) This one is extreme. Are you ready? Do you know that once you've been born again, you cannot sin? You say, no, it's not true. (laughs) Read the Bible. Well, it don't mean that. So here we go again. It don't mean that. You know, that's, that's not for everybody. And, and, and so we just settle for something so far less. You say, well, wait a second, Pastor Mark. What's that cannot sin? When your spirit was born again, it became a new spirit and your born again spirit and God's spirit became one spirit. And then your born again spirit and the Holy Spirit were sealed unto the day. Amen. If something is sealed, the good can't get out and the bad can't get in. This is the part of you that the evil one cannot touch. That's the part of you he can't touch. See, this is, what, this is what religion does with, and the evil one cannot touch you. Well, the evil one cannot touch you. Anything bad that touches us must be God touching us. Flu just touched me, so it must be God, because the devil can't touch me, so it must have come from God. See, again, you, you err not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. Amen. You know one of the benefits of your salvation is hearing the voice of God? Amen. Him speaking to you? Well, I, yeah, I, that's not for today, Pastor Mark. We got the Word of God now. We got the Bible now. We don't need God to speak to us. Have you lost your ever-loving mind? We don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. The Holy Spirit on the inside of you, bearing witness with your born-again spirit, crying out from inside of you that you are a a child of God, that you are the Son of God, calling Him you're not just your Father, but your Abba, a term of endearment. He speaks to me. And He speaks to you. Next time somebody tells you that, that God doesn't speak to us anymore, say, well, how come the devil can speak to you and God can't? Who's tempting you? What voice is that in you that's telling you to go do something you know you shouldn't do? Because your voice is the one saying, man, I don't need to do that, but I sure do want to. So can the devil touch your mind with errant thoughts and lies and 
Absolutely. That's why we're instructed in Ephesians 6 as born again believers. Put on the whole armor of God to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. The fiery darts of the enemy are thoughts. And that's why we're told to bring every thought into captivity and make it bow its knee to the obedience of Christ and to not allow vain imaginations to run wild in our, in our thoughts and in our minds that would eventually lead us to wrong behavior and, and wrong experiences in life. So religion would have us believe that the devil can speak to us, but that God can't or won't or doesn't. But see, if the devil can touch your mind, he can certainly touch your body. Viruses didn't come from God. What percentage of people in heaven this morning have COVID? What's the crime rate in heaven this morning? As Brother Keith Moore says, on the south side after dark, still zero. Ain't no darkness in heaven, I'm just being silly. And let's say, did Jesus instruct us to pray that his will would be done and his kingdom would come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven? It's this idea that anything bad that touches us comes from God because the evil one can't touch us. He's talking about your sealed, born-again spirit, perfected forever. Benefit of your salvation. That's exactly what it means, and it is for everybody. Again, we could go on and on and on here. Now, <clears throat> we've been talking about Naaman, and I'll be brief here because the Lord's really been speaking to me about Naaman, but let's, let's, um, let's just be brief about Naaman. For those of you who weren't here for those the last two weeks, two Sunday mornings, the 19th and the 12th, um, those sermons are available. Uh, by the way, if, you, if you're a fan of the podcast, um, we we are back up to like the 25th of October on Apple Podcast and other streaming services. So if you prefer listening to the messages that way, we've had some issues since we launched the new website with all that auto updating to Apple and different things. All that's good to go. Amen. We've talked a great deal about Naaman in the last couple of weeks, and I'm going to be brief here. But when Naaman went to receive a miracle from God, he was leaning on his own understanding. He thought it all worked the way everything else that he was familiar with worked. But he found out that God's ways are not just higher, but they're better than man's ways. And But notice now, because this is the thing that we've kind of... We were talking about this, and then we started talking about this, 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 and we're coming back around to this. Because we see that Naaman leaned on the same understanding that the disciples leaned on, which was an understanding that money can fix our problems. Jesus didn't ask them, where can we get enough money to buy bread to feed these people? He said, where can we get enough bread to purchase to feed these people? They had the money to feed the people. There was not enough inventory in that region to go buy enough bread to feed 15,000 people. They had the money to buy food for 15,000 people. They just didn't have the food to buy. In other words, what's going on here? Jesus is intentionally presenting them with a situation where money can't fix it. He's trying to expose 
He's trying to expose a darkened understanding. He's trying to show them that their understanding of how things work and function is based upon a worldly understanding instead of a heavenly understanding. When Jesus went to feed the people, he took the little boy's lunch and he looked to heaven. He didn't look to the checkbook. Are, are you following what I'm saying? He, he looked to heaven. What you look to becomes the lens you look through. These are things we've been talking about off and on in different ways all year here at Heritage. And so the disciples were clearly looking to money because they looked to money to fix problems and solve problems in their lives. It automatically meant they looked through the lens of money. Now they're looking through their lens of money and they can't find a solution. So they have what we've also identified as a hardened heart. Jesus identified as a hardened heart. Okay. A lack of understanding according to Jesus. And then we could simplify this. They were set in their ways and they had a one-track mind. They had a one-track mind. In other words, that one-track mind said, we got a problem, we got the money, how can we take the money and fix the problem? So Naaman is dealing with the same thing. Naaman rides in to Elisha's front door with gold and silver and ten changes of the finest clothing money could buy. Because in his mind, every man has a price. And he's fixing to buy, he's fixing to purchase a healing from the man of God. And boy, that thing turned out completely different than the way he thought it was going to work, right? And it offended him at first. And he could have stayed offended and he could have died with leprosy. But instead of staying offended, he decided to try humility, (laughs) And he decided to try faith. See, Naaman came to the understanding of something by faith that he would have never come to the understanding of by money. Are you seeing this? In other words, if, and that's a big if because it's a big no, but if Elisha could have and would have sold him a miracle, he would have went home a lost man. He'd have went home with no leprosy, but he would have went home doomed to hell forever. But because, but because his money was not respected, and he was given the options of humility and faith, and he decided to humble himself and act upon faith by hearing, hearing by the word of God, the, the man of God spoke the word of God to him. He heard that, and then he acted upon it, went and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan River. He came forth from that, watch this now, cleansed of his leprosy. And he went home with two mule loads of dirt from Israel so that he could worship God on Israeli soil for the rest of his life. Do you you see the difference here now? What shall it profit a man if he gain his healing but lose his soul? What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and, and lose his soul? So when it comes to you and me trying to get God to work in our lives on our terms. He loves you too much to do that. Just like the parents in this room, you love your children too much to let them sass you without being corrected. Correcting your children doesn't mean you don't love them. Correcting them might be the greatest expression of love that you ever show your children. 
Because it's easy to give them stuff. Am I right about it? It's easy to give them stuff. It's very difficult to withhold things from them that you want to give them because, are you seeing this? There's something that needs to be dealt with and corrected in their lives. Now, that word withhold, God has withheld no good thing from us. Understand that. He's freely given us all things. Understand all that. But in the new covenant, here's the difference between old covenant and new covenant. In the old covenant, God had the healing and Naaman had to humble himself and act on the word of God by faith to receive it. In the new covenant, you have been given the healing. Amen. <laughs> See, you... <laughs> Listen to me. Well, that's not what it means. It is exactly what it means. It's not for everybody. It is for everybody. Quit saying that. Quit saying that. You're getting the covenant watchdog. You're getting me fired up up here. Quit saying that. He said the original ones who got this thing off the ground... Anybody who believed on Jesus because they go and preach, that's you and me. Jesus said you'd speak with new tongues. Well, what that means, Pastor Mark, is that you just won't cuss as much as you... No. The term is glossolalia. It's a heavenly language. It means to speak in unknown tongues. He also said that you would cast out demons. He also said that you would lay your hands on the sick and the sick would recover. How how can you lay your hands on somebody who's sick and they recover? It's because healing's in you. Healing is in you. Healing is in you. Now see, we hear that and we go, healing, that's the farthest, far-fetched, farthest thing no, no, watch this, see? We, we sit there and, and get all bent out of shape on that. I, I scratched my arm pretty good yesterday working in the yard, okay? Do you know my body has already gone to work healing that place on my arm? In other words, by virtue of the fact that you were created by God in the image and likeness of God, healing exists. Healing exists in a person who doesn't even know God or believe there is a God because he, he put that level of healing in you already your body is is right now working to correct and heal let's say you were exposed to don't no anxiety here this morning let's say you've been exposed to to some type of virus your body's already fighting it before you ever even know you've been exposed to it all that's by all that science are you from all that's biology we're, we're just talking about the physical human body now and that's not even the real you. The real you is that born again spirit on the inside of you. So why is it so hard for you to believe that your physical body has healing but your spirit doesn't? It does have healing. Been given to you. By, that's why he says by stripes you were healed. 1 Peter 2.24. It's right there on the sticker. <laughs> Amen. It's right there on the sticker. And here's the thing. We could never pay what, what that salvation hot rod cost. But Jesus bought and paid for it and gave it to us. Gave it to us. See, we, we, we go to 
some religious-minded person and go, uh, looks, looks to me like the, the salvation Jesus gave me includes financial prosperity. I mean, does abundance mean abundance? Does, does wealth mean wealth? No, son, that's not what that means. You don't, what in the world are you going to do with money? Money's the root of all evil. That's not what it says. Love of money is the root of all evil, right? You, you, just, you just stay poor and humble. Brother Keith Moore taught me this. He said, love of money. He said, can you love money and not have any? Yeah. There's a lot of people who don't have money, but they love it. So if you can love money and not have any, you can have money and not love it. Amen. Amen. It's 1140 and I haven't even got to my notes yet, but it's okay. It's all right. Amen. It's where we need to be. We're right where we need to be. Amen. But see, if we're going to settle for these answers, and I'm convinced at the heart of all of it, and don't be offended by this, but it's a darkened understanding. Now we hear that and we think, you know, heathen, we think hellion or whatever. But remember, Jesus said of his inner circle that they had hardened hearts. We think a hardened heart means somebody that's cruel, that has no emotion for anybody else, that's, that's self-centered and selfish and, and don't care about anybody else. That wasn't the disciples. They cared and loved Jesus, for Jesus and loved Jesus. They served Jesus. They served other people. They helped. There's nothing about them if you just watch their outward behavior that would make you think that these men had hard hearts. But what Jesus was referring to was that they were set in their ways. And you hear me and you have heard me talk for many years about the renewing of the mind. But if you look at what the mind is, in the Greek, in the original language, the word is nous, N-O-U-S, for mind. It's talking about three key things. It's talking about um, perception. Anybody remember perception from January of this year? Amen. How you perceive a thing determines how you experience it. It's talking about perception. It's talking about apprehension. And it's talking about understanding. Those are the, the three. You, know, you got Father, Son, and Spirit. Spirit, soul, and body. Faith, hope, and love. The mind is, uh, the soul rather, is the mind, emotions, and will. Notice how God doing this three thing, right? And then we come to the, the mind even, break it down. The mind is three. It's, again, Perception, apprehension, understanding, understanding. We make the mistake of thinking understanding and remembering are the same thing. They're not. The disciples remembered the miracle of the loaves, but they didn't understand them. Think about that for a moment. They didn't understand it. See, when you, when you understand something, if, for them to have understood the, the miracle of the loaves would have meant for them to see everything differently from that point forward. For them to process things differently from that point forward. For them, 
Jesus said, why do you reason because you have no bread? That's back to that one-track mind, right? Notice, because they're, they're leaning on money. They put their trust in money as, because that's all they've known. That's, that's how they live their whole lives. You've got a problem, get some money. Fix it. Okay. And so that became their natural go-to. That became that groove that we talked about where the water trickles down the bank and, and cuts a groove which attracts more water, which cuts a deeper groove, which attracts more water, which the next thing you know you've got a ditch where there used to be just a, a, a slope of dirt. And over time, that had become their one-track mind. And so notice now when, when Jesus asked them about feeding the people, they go straight to the money. We, you know, when Jesus asked them about the leaven of the Pharisees, their one-track mind carries them to this conclusion. The conclusion is, we didn't pack a lunch, we're going hungry today. There's a fancy word for that. It's, it's called scarcity. A scarcity mindset. A scarcity understanding. Scarcity means that we're... we're it's hardwired into our understanding that there's never going to be enough. Lack. Are you following me? Lack. Their, their, their understanding led them to a conclusion of lack every time. Now, what, is the, what does the Bible say? How about the favorite psalm of all? The Lord is my shepherd. Come on now. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. What in, the world we, what in the world does any child of God, what business do we have reaching conclusions of lack? Reaching conclusions of, of not having enough. And then all the anxiety that comes along with that. Then all the depression that comes along with that. Because anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. We get anxious about money. We get depressed about money. It's because we're leaning on our own understanding which is from this world which is a money based understanding. Praise the name of the living God. All right. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I could do this for two more hours. I mean, it's just, amen. These are the things just on my heart. I want to share them with you. I want to stir you up. Amen. The Bible says we got to be careful to not let things slip. Be careful not to let things slip. And... The context there is not just behavior. You follow what I'm saying? We, we get this whole, let me, I'm going to give you two sets of words, okay? Behavior, benefit, conduct, condition. If you ask the average person on the street, what's the Christian life? What's living the Christian life all about? Nine times out of ten, you're going to get some kind of conduct-related answer. And I offer to you this morning that the only reason God has ever said anything about your conduct, the only reason God has ever said anything about your behavior is because of how much your conduct and how much your behavior affect what He's genuinely concerned about, and that's your quality and condition of life. Father's main heart and desire and and objective and purpose for your life is not calling you on the carpet every time you do something wrong. 
Why does he correct us? He corrects us because he loves us. Any, any father that chastens, corrects his son is a father who loves his son. And he corrects us because he loves us. He corrects us because Satan is trying to deceive us into behavior that will, that will prevent us from enjoying the benefits of our salvation and ultimately prevent us from enjoying fellowship with our Father. Amen. All right, stand with me this morning. Praise God. Praise God. You have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You have received, not the spirit of this world, the spirit who is from God, so that you might know the things that have been freely given to you by God. If he spared not his only son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not now with him freely give us all things? And I could go on and on and on. Now, what am I doing? Are we talking about behavior now? We're not talking about behavior now. Is behavior important? Yes, behavior is important. We're not talking about behavior now. We're talking about benefits. Benefits. Satan doesn't want you to hear anything from the Word of God, but let me tell you something. He, he, he would settle for me standing in this pulpit Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday after Wednesday, harping on behavior, harping on your conduct, threatening you with guilt and fear and shame and condemnation for not doing what you ought to do. Quit looking at stuff that you shouldn't be looking at. Quit watching things you shouldn't be watching. Quit taking things you shouldn't be taking. Quit drinking things you shouldn't be drinking. Stop sleeping with people. You should, I mean, again, all, all that's in, we don't need to be taking stuff into our body. We don't need to be uh, drunk. We don't need, all that's important. If you leave out of here saying that I'm telling you it's not important, you'd be wrong. But see, we, we are a benefit-minded, benefit-driven people. Amen. Can I tell you why people aren't more excited about their salvations? Because they don't understand the benefits of it. So no wonder we don't want to share it with anybody else. No wonder we don't want to tell anybody else. Amen. Amen. Did you get anything out of this? All right. Father, we love you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your wisdom. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just the, the simple illustrations that any person who wants to understand and relate to them can understand and relate to. Father, you've done a heap for us. You, you, have, you have made us and given to us what we could never make ourselves, what we could never earn in a thousand lifetimes of trying. You've given it to us freely because you love us. Benefit after benefit after benefit, many of which people have no understanding of, many of which people do know something about, but we've forgotten or let slip. And I'm reminded, Father, of that translation of of Matthew 13 where you said that according to our longing to understand... You reveal these things to us. Father, my assignment this morning as a new covenant watchdog, Lord, is 
is to acknowledge the importance of our behavior. But Lord, to start somehow, some way to make up for all the lost time and all the unbalanced gospel that's been preached in our world today where we've only talked about people's behavior and never explained the benefits of being a son or daughter of God. Father, thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for what you've given to us. Thank you that we were reestablished in oneness and fellowship with you by the death of your son. And now, Father, we are, we are being saved by his life. Thank you, Father, for understanding. Thank you, Father, for understanding. Thank you, Father, for exposing to each one of us, individually, personally, by your Holy Spirit, ways that our understanding differs from yours. Ways, Father, that, that the way we look at things and the way we see things, Lord, is, is different from the way you see them and the way you look at them. Thank you, Father, for the gift of repentance. Thank you, Father, for the gift of understanding. Thank you, Father, for the ability to understand by faith. Thank you, Father, for that spiritual understanding that belongs to us as your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Know that you're loved. Know that you're loved. If you would like someone to pray with you this morning, we'd be more than happy to do that. Amen. I know we prayed a general prayer for, for everybody who's dealing with some symptoms and things this morning. Good things coming for you and yours. Have a